We're at tnholler.com is the website at the tnholler. You can also find us on iTunes. We put the audio of these shows up there. So subscribe to us there. And you can also get a notification when we go live with these interviews by clicking the bell on Twitter. And also you can ask for a notification on Facebook. All that out of the way, Glenn, how are you, sir? This is Glenn Scruggs. I'm doing well this morning. Thank you for asking. So you're running for Senate, Tennessee Senate. You're in Chattanooga. The first thing I want to ask you about is you are the assistant police chief. Are you still the current assistant police chief? I am. I'm, okay. I'm actually on an off day today, but yes, I am uh, still the uh, assistant police chief down here in Chattanooga. And would you continue to be assistant police chief if you were a senator? I cannot. So I'd have to retire. I'm in my 26th year. So um, those things kind of butted up right next to each other. So it lined up pretty well for us. So I'm okay. planning to retire if I win. When if I win. you win. I got you. Sure. Okay. Tell me a little bit about being assistant police chief. I mean, that's a pretty fascinating background to have. I'm a Chattanooga native, born and raised right here. I um, came straight out of school, went to college, jumped into the police department. And that was 26 years ago. And I like to tell folks that, you know, I've done every job at the police department other than, you know, painting the uh, stripes on the back parking lot. I mean, I've worked all over the place, uh, everything from gangs to, uh, to narcotics to to street crimes, and now I'm the assistant chief of police, and it's it's a it's one of the, the most fulfilling parts of the job that I've had so far. It's uh you get to lead a bunch of great men and women. How do you feel like being the assistant chief of police in Chattanooga has prepared you for this job? Well, I mean, one thing about being a police officer in general, not just a chief, but a police officer in general, you learn to deal with everybody where they are. You know, you learn to deal with people. Uh, in their place. And me personally, I work around guys who, who share my um, political background and guys who don't. And so you learn to work with all sorts and varieties of ideologies and belief systems. And I think it makes you a, I knew well, heck, I don't think I know it makes you a much better rounded person. So I think this job has really equipped me to deal with uh, both adversaries and friends alike. Tell me a little bit about the things that matter most to you. I've, I looked at your website a little bit, but what are the issues that Chattanoogans care most about as you're going through this process? With going through this pandemic, you know, one of the things that's on the forefront, you know, is healthcare. We're in, a, we're in an area that's, that could have had Medicaid expanded, and we didn't. You know, we just didn't. You know, my opponent, uh, Senator Gardenhire, decided to, to, to cast this lot against that. And I think this is a perfect example. You know, going through this pandemic is a perfect example of why we needed expanded Medicare. Medicaid, I'm sorry. That's one of the, the, the founding bedrock principles of my campaign, uh, the Medicaid expansion. The excuse for not expanding Medicaid at the time was, well, you know, a lot of folks in Tennessee, you know, have, have health care that's tied to their employer, that's tied to where they work. Well, that's fine if you're still working there. But as we see with this pandemic, a lot of folks have been laid off. A lot of folks have been let go from jobs. And along with those jobs, you know, went your health care. So, that's a, that's a very important part of our campaign. I'm glad to hear you say that. I, heard, I see Sharon Tharp is asking, and we can see your comments, folks. If you have any questions for Glenn, put them in the comments section. Sharon's asking if you're a Democrat. You are running as a Democrat. I and, am. I am yes, running as a Democrat. I should have said that up front. Uh, expanding Medicaid, such an important thing to do. Still haven't heard a good reason for them not doing it. It costs us a billion dollars a year yep. by not expanding Medicaid. We're number one in medical bankruptcies. We're 
number one of rural hospital closures per capita, at the bottom in opioid deaths, at the bottom in infant mortality, at the bottom in maternal mortality. All of these things could be helped by expanding Medicaid, which if you follow us at The Holler, you know that we're big fans of and believe in strongly and feel that not expanding Medicaid is policy murder. And then you bring up a really important point, which is we've now seen 20 plus million people lose their jobs. We're always told that it's great to have employer-based health insurance. Well, it's very clearly not the solution because you look at all of these people who are losing their jobs and now they're losing their health insurance. And we also saw not too long ago when the UAW went on strike, the first thing GM did was cut off their health insurance. So we need to disentangle these two things. I'm a believer in Medicare for all or something like it. You know, Medicaid expansion is what we need to do in the meantime. But frankly, I believe we need to take it out of the hands of legislatures like this and do this on a federal level. So Medicaid expansion, I'm glad to hear you say that. Uh, what are some other things that Senator Todd Gardenhire, who, just to tell you my story about him real quick, he once tried to pretend to be deaf to me uh, so that he didn't hear a thing that I was asking him. Tell us some other things that Gardenhire supports that you feel like you would differ with him on. Well, I'll tell you what, before I jump off Medicaid, what I like to tell folks, Tennessee has over 300,000 people that are without health care. And that was before the pandemic. So I imagine that number's, you know, dwarf, exploded since then. It has. The thing is, for people to, to get a better, clear uh, picture of that, the, my area has about 170,000 people. Chattanooga does. Double that size, if you want to look, if you, if you need a clear picture of the folks who are without health care in our state, it's double the size of my city. That's just not acceptable. And that's where we are right now. Uh, Glenn, I encourage you, I think they've come to where you are. There's a group called Remote Area Medical. Um, they give free health care to people in third world countries. They realized the need was so bad here in Tennessee that they do it here now. They showed up in Columbia when I was running for Congress in 2018 and I went and visited and there were about 500 people sleeping in a parking lot at like 2 a.m. to go see a doctor because they couldn't see a doctor any other way. They come to East Tennessee quite a bit and you're right. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of people who literally cannot see doctors and it just makes us all less safe because look at this pandemic, for instance, which is holding up a mirror to us. You see that when people are sick, we, got, we can all catch it from them. And that's not only true with this virus, that's true with a lot of things. So having people okay. be sick puts us all at risk. And also there's simply no moral justification for only caring for people when they have this particular virus. There's only political reasons to do that. So if we're looking at this from a moral perspective, we need to take care of each other. Healthcare should be a right. And you know, you're right, there's hundreds of thousands of Tennesseans who would have coverage if we simply expanded Medicaid, which Governor Lee has the right to do today, and he's not doing it. Our last Republican governor, Governor Haslam, wanted to do it. Governor Lee is refusing to do it, and he has not given a good reason for that. There simply isn't a good reason for that. There so, isn't. There, because no. you're right, there is no good reason. I mean, there, is, uh, there are political reasons not to expand. The reason is they hate President Obama still. You know, let's talk about some other things. Like I saw you mentioned criminal justice reform on your website. Obviously, you have a unique perspective when it comes to that. What are some things that we need to be doing differently? You know, when I started this job in 94, um, the men that we were arresting at the time, you know, the criminals that we were arresting, they were mature adults. Uh, we were sending guys to prison for hard crimes who were 35, 40 years old. You fast forward to 2020, 
the majority of the kids that are going to prison now are 19 years old, 18 years old. So that tells me that something we're doing isn't working. Uh, we're missing a huge, uh, a huge number of the kids that are coming through our education system. And so we need to reach down earlier. You know, most of the programs that were started back in the 90s, they were aimed at targeting middle school age kids. Some of them even uh, targeted high school age kids for correction and intervention. If you're waiting to rescue or divert a kid from, from crime, uh, you, you're missing the ball if you wait until they're 13, 14 years old. We need to reach down and interdict these kids way earlier. And I, I'm, I'm all for reaching out to kids when they're, you know, in elementary school to, to, to get them on the right path early. That's, that's the biggest part where we're missing in our criminal justice reform piece. We're not educating our kids, getting them in the right direction. Right. They call it, I think, the school to prison pipeline. Yes. And, uh, you know, we also, my wife is a behavior therapist in the Rutherford County school system. And she sees, you know, they definitely give up on kids way too quickly. And that sets them on that trajectory. So I think that's a really good point. Uh, I see a few people commenting. I see Sharon Tharp says, would you consider raising the minimum wage? What are your feelings about the minimum wage in Tennessee? Is that something that we should look at raising? You know, I talk to a lot of folks that, that still are suffering and trying to figure out a way to pay rent. And these aren't folks who aren't working. I'm talking about folks who work sometimes two jobs to, to make just basic rent here in Chattanooga and Hamilton County. And so if a person can, can work two jobs and still can't afford rent, there's something definitely wrong with our price point as far as salaries go. So I'm all for uh, squeezing that thing so we can get a little wage out of it. It definitely needs to be adjusted. You know, Tennessee is, is a great uh, location for businesses to come to. Uh, we're, we're drawing and attracting great businesses from all over the planet to Tennessee, but it doesn't make any difference if we get them here and the wages are below where they should be. So, I'm all, so again, I'm all for getting the minimum wage up. Yeah. Uh, Representative Jason Hodges just had a bill that basically said, if you are going to be incentivized to come to Tennessee, you need to pay people a living wage. Otherwise we're just bringing companies here and incentivizing them and they're taking advantage of people. So, Maybe that's something that you guys can work on together. Uh, Jeff Rich asks, how, do, how does a progressive win over the citizens of a state that overwhelmingly are uh, essentially conservative or Republican? I guess I would ask a bigger question. Can you tell us a little bit about your district and you know what the political alignment is there? I know my understanding is it's actually one of the most flippable that we're looking at in this upcoming cycle can you tell us a little bit about your district we need we need to move about four to five points to win this race um chattanooga is a chattanooga hamilton and bradley are, are, are a pretty unique area right so the city portions of the district they're pretty they're pretty doggone blue um we just are but as you get out into the rural areas of course it gets more conservative i think to, to make that work and to bring those two sides together you just bring common sense issues to the table these issues that we're discussing this morning, they're not really partisan issues, at least they shouldn't. Everybody should be for folks having a livable wage. Everybody should be for folks having health care. Those things, I don't know how they became partisan issues, but they definitely shouldn't be. And I think to, to, to flip that district, to flip this district, what you do is you talk to people where they are and explain to them what your positions are. Explain to them how the things that you're proposing can help them. And I think people will discard the partisan rancor and vote in their interest. I hope that's true. And hopefully having 
this president at the top of the ticket will get people out there. Turnout is always the most important thing. So hopefully we'll have some serious turnout and hopefully we'll have some safe elections. Uh, I know that I think Garden Hire actually had a bill to change how we deal with elections in an emergency, but it actually made elections less safe. It actually made it so that they could close polling places and have super sites, meaning more people in fewer places as opposed yes. to, you know, vote by mail for all, which is what I think needs to happen. What do you think about elections in an emergency pandemic like this? What do we need to do is vote by mail for all the answer? You know, I think, you know, the, the whole premise of corralling people to four or five or six super sites, as you call them, that's just, that's, in my, in my peer assessment, that's just uh, calculated suppression. You're, you're, you're excluding great numbers of people for, to their voting right. I think in a, in a pandemic or any emergency situation, we'd be crazy not to uh, at least consider mail-in ballots. I agree. We saw what happened in Wisconsin. Now they've said there's probably a few dozen people that caught the virus because of that. Uh, that seems to be the future that Trey Hargett, Mark Goins, and Governor Lee want for us. We called them six times in the last few weeks. They haven't called us back, not surprisingly, I guess. Um, but there's all kinds of voter suppression that have made us 50th in the state. So uh, it seems like that's the future they want for us. Tell me a little bit more about the pandemic and campaigning in a pandemic. I mean, this is a unique situation, a unique cycle. How has it changed what you're doing with your candidacy? Yeah, so, I mean, it, <laughs> it made it challenging to say, you know, to say the least. Um, we can't hold events, of course. And, you know, you can't go to anyone else's events because they're not holding them either. So it, it makes us have to be very creative about how we reach people. Uh, we're doing a ton of phone banking. I'm going to do some of that later on today. Uh, we're doing a, a lot of digital. We're, we're expanding our digital footprint. We're, we're trying to reach people in every way we can. You know, and if that's through word of mouth, you know, through through jumping on podcasts like like your podcast, we're trying every angle available to reach voters to let them know what our message is. Well, it's so definitely made things a lot uh, a lot harder, and, it, right. and and that's that's fine. I mean, the the what should be paramount is, is people's safety, right? And so I, I'd be crazy to say, hey guys, you know, we're just gonna knock doors anyway. That, that's just that's selfish. You know, people need to be concerned about their health. So we're going to do it the best way we can. Well, people can find you at glennforsenate.com, G-L-E-N-N for senate.com. Uh, I guess I, I didn't see the second half of Jeff Rich's question, so I'm going to finish it for him because this is an issue that's obviously a big deal in Tennessee. And you, with your background, I'd like to ask your perspective on it. Second Amendment and gun rights issues. I know a lot of Democrats support the Second Amendment. and but that doesn't necessarily mean they support everything that is happening on that side of the aisle. For instance, uh, constitutional carry, which was the latest uh, effort by Governor Lee and the Republicans to essentially make it so that you don't need a permit to carry anywhere in Tennessee. Uh, basically doing away with permits is essentially what they're trying to do as a law enforcement What's your perspective on these issues? What's your perspective on constitutional carry and anything else you want to talk about when it comes to gun rights? You know, um, a lot of times Democrats, uh, we get painted as an anti-gun, right? It just happens almost as a knee-jerk reaction. 
well, I'm a gun owner. I've owned guns all of my adult life. Um, I enjoy shooting. And it's, 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 a, it's a recreation that I enjoy. And I support the Second Amendment. But I also understand that, you know, with that, with that right comes some responsibility. You know, so I don't think I've met very many police chiefs or very many police officers who are for permitless carry. I think if you're going to be responsible enough to own a gun, you need to be responsible enough to own it properly. And so that requires training uh, at, the very, at the very least the state and, the, you know, the, the, the citizens you live amongst should know that you're capable of using a weapon and carrying it safely. And I think the whole thing with, you know, bypassing all of that to say that I'm just going to own a gun because I want to own a gun, is irresponsible. So if you, if you want to own a gun, you know, which is your right to do, you need to be a responsible adult knowing it properly. Governor Lee campaigned against constitutional carry and then now is for it. So, you know, that whole thing about campaigning one way and then flipping once you get in there for political reasons, that's really ugly stuff, no matter which way you do it. I would be saying that if he was a Democrat. So Yeah, I mean, that's just disingenuous. You're right. I mean, if, if, if you say you're going to land one way on the issue, land on that issue and stand by it. You know, stand on your one. Stand on that. Again, it's glennforsenate.com. But just what, what do you want people to know about you as a person? One thing I'd like to, like to express is that I'm the same person um, the day I got hired at the police department as I am now as assistant chief. I like to think that going through the ranks, uh, acquiring a little bit more uh, privilege as, a, as an officer as you go through, hasn't changed my position on anything at all. I, I've grown as a person. But I'd like, to think, I'd like to think that people still see me as just Glenn, just a guy in the neighborhood who they can have a, you know, have a cup of coffee with or pour beer with and talk about issues. I, I think if you are genuine in what you believe and you express what you believe, people, people can disagree with you but they'll know who you are and what you stand for. And that's, that's what I'm all about. I'm about what I believe in, uh, giving the folks uh, in our district a voice, you know, a true seat at the table, just to get some representation. So if, if you're all for uh, someone who's going to tell you where they stand and stand by what they say they're going to stand by, I'm your guy. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Um, you seem like a genuine guy to me. I'm no fan of Todd Gardenhire, so I will be rooting for you. Uh, you know, it's a viper's nest up there, man. I thought Washington was rough, and then I started watching what was going on at the state legislature. I tell you what, man. You know, my one of, in the first couple of years that I was a police officer, I uh, I got shot at by a guy with an SKS rifle. So, if I can deal with that guy, I'm sure I can deal with some guys up in Nashville. Tennessee. Woo! Yeah. Tennessee. To Tennessee.